Blog Talk Radio. Uh, 
down in Monterey. We're trying to put out. But other than that, our state is doing pretty good. Well, that's great. Well, you know, Jay, I know that you have some news. We only have three minutes for the news as the show is running a little bit behind. So if you would give our folks three minutes of the latest news, and then we'll join back at the end of the show to go more into the news topics that you have for us today. Are you ready to do that, sir? Yes, I am. Thank you so much, okay, Jay. Everybody. Would you take take us right into the news? Thank you. Okay, I'd like to announce that the, in Nebraska, Fremont, Nebraska, that is, the Air and Space Museum opens a new vocational center August 13th. This Strategic Air Command Aerospace Museum is proud to announce the opening of a new regional science technology educational center. And it opens at 10 a.m. Saturday, August 3rd. And some of the things that they're going to have there is an innovation station to create inventions and, and, and environments and activities with large-scale phone blocks. And also they have these make-it tables that you can experience the engineering designing process by building machines or structures using materials provided. So they have all these things at this beautiful place, and it's for kids. And if you're in Nebraska, I know you guys are just having a ball out there. You're going to get this great uh, entertainment, uh, I mean, excuse me, museum for science and the children. And I just want to let everybody know they're very excited out there in opening this, this new uh, venue, this new place. Also, I'd like to talk about the new bus that China has built. This bus is called the TEB-1. Now, imagine a bus that resembles uh, a millipede, and then cars drive under it. You know, in other words, it's on the freeway, and while you're driving on the freeway, you'll see this huge bus go over the top of you. It's kind of like a tunnel, and this bus will be driving on the freeway as you're driving on the freeway. There'll be 300 passengers in this bus, and it's amazing where the cars go underneath the bus, and the bus uh, is, is, is like maybe 15, 18, or even 20 feet high. It's called the TEB-1. Um, it's a great, it's a great new futuristic bus. And maybe this thing might come to America soon. We don't know. So they're going to try it out there, see what happens. Uh, it helps tremendously in intense traffic situations where we have traffic, because now you can use the same freeway and have two of these buses carrying at least 300. Uh, pastors per bus, uh, and it's a wonderful idea, opposed to building underground tunnels. So keep a lookout for the TEB-1 bus. It's kind of a, a great thing, and uh, the Chinese should be proud of that. It almost makes me uh, want to move there just to check this thing out. Um, and the last piece of news that I have is uh, Bloomberg. Uh, if you guys are familiar with Bloomberg, the news radio uh, service, Apple has just announced that uh, – Bloomberg Radio is now a service available on Apple Music in, in over 100 con countries uh, across the world, including the United States, Germany, Hong Kong, and Japan. You know, Bloomberg Radio uh, features global business and financial news coverage from the top Bloomberg journalists uh, 24 hours a day. Um, so now you can go and you have, you have an Apple ID. You can log into your ID, and wow, you have Bloomberg Radio. And it's kind of great, you know, because, you know, like the music streaming service, you know, Apple charges for now, this thing is free right now. So you guys go out there and take advantage of them. If you have, a, you know, an Apple phone or if you have an Apple ID, um, Bloomberg, for more than 20 years, a radio has been known for breaking business coverage and global news and market updates and interviews with economics and world leaders. So now we have Bloomberg Radio app on Apple. And that's the news for today. Well, thank you so much. Um, 
I, I that sounds like amazing things. So I think we're going to go more into that um, later. And, okay. And go from there. So thank you so much, Jay, for that. And we're now going to move right into our guests, okay? Um, so as we told you, we're going to bring on Chukeska Martinez of Earth Guardians, who is a hip-hop artist, climate change speaker. He's rocking it out. We're going to bring you Savannah Miller right now, who they're both going to have a discussion, open discussion with us. She is with Sustainable Directions, an online blog that she has created to really get into what climate is going on and how millennials, youth, and, educa- and, and education and youth and other generations can make a difference in that area, as well as she's uh, going for her master's at Columbia. So without further ado, we're going to first bring on Mr. Chitesca Martinez. Chitesca, how are you? It's glad to have you here again with us. I'm doing good. Can you hear me all right? Yes, we can hear you very well. Thank you for joining us. And Chitesca, as you remember, Jay Logan, we're going to bring on also Savannah Miller as well. Just give us one moment. Awesome. Savannah, how are you? Hi, I'm doing great. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Well, Savannah and Chitesca, welcome to the show. We are so glad to have you here, and we are glad that you have taken time out of your uh, busy schedule. We were to have another guest on, but she had to study. So I think that's a little (laughs) more important at the moment. So um, as you both know, we're dealing with a lot around climate, so, you know, we want our discussion to really be something that forwards the conversation of what you guys are doing out there in the world, and also really to just let people know things that they are just are not aware of right now. So are you guys ready to go in and do that? We ask you that you also tailor your answers to the questions so we don't, we don't give away all the goodies, if that's okay with you. So we're going to start right away. As we know, Chitesca, you have really been doing a lot of work lately, okay? And, you know, a lot of the people, some people know who you are. I I think just about everyone knows who you and Savannah are. But we're going to, for our audience who doesn't know, we'd like you to share with who you are and who Earth Guardians is, if you wouldn't mind. Definitely. Um. My name is Shuta Scott Martinez. Um, I'm 16. I am a frontline climate activist, spokesperson, um, representing my generation, indigenous voices, the Latino community. Um, and I've spent the last 10 years of my life traveling all over the world, uh, trying to act as a voice for, for those that have none, um, to really address and talk about some of the most important issues of our time and understand the connection um, between our lifestyles and um, the way that we are living in the destruction of the planet and um, the degradation of our resources and um, climate change, really doing my best to educate, inspire, and empower and tell stories about what it means to be human today and what it means to be a teenager in the world today and the power that we have to create change, create justice in the world. I've spoken at the United Nations several times. Um, I've done TED Talks and been featured on you know, Bill Maher and um, uh, you know, the late night show with Larry Wilmore and like, a bunch of these different opportunities that have helped get my voice into the mainstream uh, media. And for me to be a part of it has been really interesting um, to see how change is created, not 
um, with without the system, but actually creating change within the system. You know, using the United Nations to our advantage um, to to fight and demand for justice, and all these all these different platforms and tools that are all around us, and um, using that to create change. I'm working with an organization called Earth Guardians. Earth Guardians um, has hundreds of thousands of young people all over the world that are actively engaged in communities to create the change that I'm out there inspiring people to to, to try to do something about. Um, and it's on the ground communities that are using their voice, their passion, their music, their art, their poetry um, in local communities to, to combat issues like climate change, social justice, racism, like all these different problems largely connected to climate change. And um, build a, a global community in a place where young people can feel like they're connected to others around the world. And um, hopefully to inspire young people to, to feel like they're a part of a movement and of something bigger. Um, in Earth Guardians, um, we have over 2,000 crews now. And it's just continuing to grow. And every single day we have more and more young people signing up to join and be a part of it. And it's very exciting because it's the actual tangible actions that we're seeing from these young people planting trees, restoring, um, you know, ground foliage and forests and um, planting gardens in, in inner city communities and, you know, cleaning up the water and, and doing different demonstrations and marches to educate your community about water potability and um, plastic. And so there's a lot of change that has come from Earth Guardians and it's, um, it's all about getting involved in a, in a movement that will help shape the world we will leave to the next generation. Well, it's just it's, uh, very, very interesting. Um, uh, Savannah, I have a question for you. Um, would you share with our audience about sustainable directions and who you are? Yes, it would be my pleasure. And first of all, um, thank you for having me. And Chateska, I have... It's a pleasure to be on here with you. I've heard so many wonderful things from my boyfriend and larger environmental community, but yeah, John R. Seidel has just, just flat, like showered you in compliments. So it's at least a pleasure to be able to talk to you here and hopefully meet in person soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, so my name is Anna Miller. Um, I'm an environmental advocate, a millennial environmental advocate, pushing for an interdisciplinary approach to bringing field work into the mainstream. So as a um, child, I grew up in an art school and focused my efforts in creative writing. So for 100 minutes of every day for seven years, I practiced creative writing and it's culminated into a senior thesis. I was the first in my program to do creative nonfiction, long-form nonfiction, and I realized that just between the ages of 10 to 18, my small town and a sub like a suburb within Charleston, South Carolina, had grown 200%. And so what I had known as a smaller farming and fishing community outside of larger Charleston um, had become, you know, a, a sidewalk cement-infested uh, suburb. And, and I just felt that not only within that development, I felt that people weren't happy. And for me at the time, with with not as much of an environmental backing, I wanted to find out what that unhappiness was coming from. So I interviewed people with stories to tell, people that had lived in this area for generations. And I realized that in writing this novella, which is entitled Before the Tide Turned, I realized that people's happiness was not only connected with each other, but in a connection to their environment and their larger community. And so when I went to Emory University, I majored in environmental science and creative to learn how I could close this gap between science and policy and mainstream communication. 
And so I have since developed sustainable directions as an opportunity to do so. And so I understand, you know, it's been, I've been upheld to the obligation, my duty, to make a difference in the world. And I know, we all know, that our world is changing at an unprecedented rate and it's changing in real time. Within sustainable directions, I hope to break down climate science into more understandable terminology and chronicle environmental policy measures and developments in a compelling and dynamic way. My overarching goal is to influence and improve millennial environmental literacy. But, Gail, one thing that you and I were speaking about at the recent Nexus Summit is that it's not just millennial environmental literacy that's important, but intergenerational communication. Exactly. Absolutely. Amongst generations. Absolutely. And talk with each other in, in ways that we can learn from each other and grow together. And so most importantly, I want my generation to learn those lessons and know what's going on in the world we'll soon be leading, leading just like what you're discussing with Earth Guardians. I think there's so much precedent with the technology we have today, with the Paris Agreement that we have set forth, that we need to have an interdisciplinary and multi-stakeholder approach to how we communicate climate change. And some things that, you know, uh, listeners may, may not know, and one thing I always like to talk about is good news, because I feel like climate change is so often a lot of bad news. And so I am currently engaged in my um, master's in public administration and environmental science and policy at Columbia School of International Public Affairs and Earth Institute. And while we do learn a lot of the bad news, there's one thing that I just reported recently. Um, if you're not familiar, the first solar airplane, the Solar Impulse 2, just Oh, no, before you go into that, uh, Savannah, mm-hmm. Savannah, yeah. before you go into that, we have a question about that. So uh, oh, we have a question for you okay, and Chicago. So, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. so, so we ask that you guys tailor your information to the questions. Are you going to give away all the goody stuff, Okay. Oh, okay, okay. I'm getting excited. Okay, we don't we don't want you guys. Yeah, we're really excited to have you both on at the same time. So you know, listen, you know, Shatesca, you have done so much work. I mean, you're talking about 16. You have done more work in your 10 years since six years old than no, most people who are involved in climate change. Okay, you know. What I'd like to ask you is, you know, Earth Guardians has moved into chapters around the world. Okay. You have done things we won't, you know, we won't go into the case that you've brought out, uh, the court case you've brought out, but I think it's genius, and I think it's amazing what mm. you are doing. I have a question for you. You talked about urban gardens. You know, we want to bring this out to the everyday public, and which is the global goals, okay, which is about ending crisis with food, that everyone has access to food, which is global goals too, okay? The question I have for you, in terms of urban gardens, what do you think that urban gardens provide for people around the world? But what do you specifically think it provides for youth who are creating this urban gardens? Yeah, I think communities? I think planting in in um and participating in organic agriculture is one of the greatest solution simple solutions we can engage in in our communities locally, um, just because of. First of all, if we increased carbon sequestration all over the world, it would largely remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere because right now we have depleted our soil of carbon and put it all in the atmosphere. So taking some of that back by practicing organic agriculture is a solution for climate change as well. 
small communities all over the world, especially in urban environments and inner cities that don't have access to good food, planting a garden in the community means taking back their food, reclaiming access to their own food system. And um, it, it unplugs you from a global a globalized food system where we can have tomatoes you know, in the middle of winter in Colorado when there's three feet of snow on the ground. And, like, that, that is not sustainable because it's, it's coming from somewhere else. I had apples the other day that my friend gave me that were grown in New Zealand. And it's, like, because we're not patient enough to wait a week until apples are ready to be picked and eaten here in Colorado. So food comes and is shipped and transported from all over the place. That's a huge reason that the food industry is so such a huge contribution to climate change as well as the health effects that happen with, with eating, you know, um, factory farmed food from eating fast food, like those are all posed health effects to different communities. So I feel like we can tackle a lot of problems at the same time. Help people access healthy, local, fresh food is such an important thing for a community as well to help bring people together because everybody needs to eat food. And if it's done in a healthy way, it can actually pull people out of, you know, situations of violence or, you know, all all kinds of different problems and struggles that you're facing, if you can bring people together, it can offer people jobs. Um, there's a lot of solutions, and especially for young people, just getting your hands in the dirt and reestablishing a connection with the land and with the earth really allows you to understand that we are just people living on a planet that is connected to each and every one of us, that, you know, this food that we are growing here is a freaking blessing that we are able to, to, to you know, cultivate food out of dirt and that, you know, this, I feel like it, it humanizes us a little bit to have to grow our own food and create our own um, food in a way. And it's just such a powerful solution for so many different problems we see in the world today. Wow, wow that's interesting. I like a tomato right now. I kind of want one now. You made me hungry. Um, I also want to ask Savannah, you started this sustainable direction. We saw you wrote an article about one of our favorite new things, Solar Impulse. Do you think this will be available for future travel soon? And do you think the airlines will be open to this? And could you answer this question a little quicker because we, we want to move on. So just kind of give us an overall overview. Right, right. So Solar Impulse 2 is a um, fully fossil-free airplane. It was developed, and it's been an 11-year project. I am apprehensive to say whether or not it would be used for large mass transportation, but I would I would phrase it in the fact, think of your landline and your car phone and where you're at with your iPhone 6 and 7 today. So while it is a slower aircraft, it's a metaphor to show what we can do in fossil-free communities and the technology we already have at our fingertips. So I think this is only the beginning and the crest of technology is will continue. Wow. That's, just, that's very interesting. Now, I'm bringing this to both you and Shatetska, um, Savannah. You know, mm-hmm. we're looking at solar impulse, okay? So this is a question for both of you to answer together and just have a little conversation with each other. And that conversation is, Savannah and Shatetska, do you think things like solar impulse will support global travel for all people? Will people start to take ideas like solar impulse and really bring it into their lives? So far we're talking about making a difference and everyone making a difference together and intergenerational, which, Savannah, you know I would firmly believe in. But Shatesca and Savannah, you two talking together. You're 16, Shatesca. Savannah, you're a millennial. I have a question to both of you. Do you think that the masses and the companies and people will be open to this, and how can each person start to 
own things like these two gentlemen did with Solar Impulse by flying a plane across the world showing that this can be done. What are your thoughts? And I'd love to hear both of you talk with each other about this. Hmm. Uh, Savannah, you want to you start it off? Throw you under the bus a little bit? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll preface. And I believe that, you know, I think that from a realistic uh, Columbia Masters Program perspective, things do have to come in transition. It's unrealistic to imagine that there's going to be a flip of a switch and that will be fossil free. But I think that when you create both top-down and bottom-up initiatives, when you pair the framework of the Paris Agreement with the inspiring stories of, of you know, organizations like Earth Guardians with Solar Impulse 2 and with my own mentor, Sir Robert Swan, who's about to lead um, an expedition to South Pole with entirely fossil-free technology. So when you put all of these things together, I think you will move towards more of a fossil-free future and a more climate-friendly community. You know, so what we're saying, Chitesca, is, you know, you deal with Earth Guardians all the time. You're talking about climate change and what's going on. Solar impulse was flown basically without, you know, using the fuel that usually pollutes the, the sky, okay? Mm-hmm. Do you think, think Chitesca, this is something, you know, you and Savannah, do you think that all of our generation will be willing to start, you know, grabbing onto things like this is just an example. Urban gardens is just an example, you know, to know that we can take that time to do this ourselves. Do you think that, Chitesca? Do you think we're ready to do that? Yeah, um, I feel like I feel like transitioning to solar energy um, and renewable energy sources is a step in the right direction, but it's not everything because, unfortunately, mm-hmm. a lot of people in the world, and this is through my experience and conversations and research that I've done, a lot of people in the world don't care where they get their energy from, especially in first world countries and especially in the United States. They don't care where they get their energy from as long as they can still have the lights on as much as they want, drive their car as much as they want, and not have to think about it. Like, if it comes from solar, great. And if it comes from coal, a lot of people don't think twice about it. So I think part of it is, yes, making infrastructural changes like that to shift to renewable energy. But I think what sustainability means isn't just changing light bulbs and changing energy sources. It's about changing the way that we live our lives and and changing the way in which we interact with the planet and our understanding of of our responsibility to create change on this planet um, is about more than just, you know, changing to renewable energy. I feel like um, it's all connected and it's all very important. And I feel large infrastructural changes are one step of the puzzle, but I think we have to meet halfway with changing human behavior and changing a human mindset where we're not consuming we're not blindly consuming as much as we are, where we have an understanding and of of how much damage it's doing to the planet. And I don't know, I feel like it's all connected and, and it's a part of it, but there needs to be more than just a switch from fossil fuels to solar energy because to build solar panels, you still got to mine uranium, you know, yep. and it's not yep. a sustainable process and it's not perpetual energy and it's not perfect. So saying that solar energy and renewable energy will save us is a false fact because as you, it's it's a way to kind of, as a scapegoat for us to not have to take responsibility in our lives, I feel. Um, yeah. Well, well I'm I'd like to. I'd like to build. Oh, I'm sorry. 
Oh, no, no, go ahead, Savannah, please. Oh, okay. Well, I would love to build on that because I and like wholeheartedly agree with you that technology is merely a blanket over the problem at hand. The problem at hand is our behavior and our consumptive patterns. And one point that you made earlier that I really agree with, and I've actually been working on urban agriculture and initiatives within the city of Atlanta myself, is the importance that this not only improves carbon sequestration and these other processes, but improves people's lives. It gives them independence of their food sources. It gives them that knowledge and pride that they grew something themselves. And when people realize that not only will it improve our larger lifestyles as we reduce climate change impacts, but it will introduce it will improve our individual lifestyles and our connections with each other. And you cannot create this holistic solution without those um, mechanisms and connections as well. Well, this is so funny that both of you should say this because we're going to go in a little deeper with you two for this last question. Jay, I'm kind of going off route here yeah. again, so don't, don't tell me, don't tell me here. Because yeah, Gail, I have something to interject, too, so I'll wait. I have something that's very... Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, Chetesca and Savannah, we talk about what we all need to do. But, it, you know, um, you both hit on something very important. When we know ourselves, we can change the world. And we can't be responsible for another person until we deal with who we are, okay? Chetesca, I, I, I start this question with you because you really hit the nail on the head. We have to change our own individual behavior, okay? Even with the movement that you have started at Earth Guardians, you first had to start with yourself and how you view things and how you see things. How, Shetesta mm-hmm. and Savannah, how can we look at how we as an individual, not trying to change someone over there, how do we start with ourselves and looking at loving Mother Earth Loving ourselves, too, because it does start with loving ourselves. How do we go from there to making a difference in climate as well or making a difference in just what you said and knowing that we are enough and have enough? Shatesha, please start with that answer to that question. Yes, yes. A lot of people feel disconnected and disempowered, and in order to want to create change and to reconnect and start with ourselves, we have to understand the urgency of this, we have to understand why. Why would we care? Why would we want to make a difference? Why would we want to take time out of our busy lives to do anything, to plant a tree or to plant a garden or to work with your community or to, you know, join a rally or a protest? Like, those are, we have to understand that it's about more than just the planet, that it's about every human being that lives here. It's about our children and our grandchildren. It's about next generations. The legacy that you will leave to them People have to understand that and understand the urgency. So many people get that there's a problem but don't understand how important it is to do to actually do something about it. And but it, I, test, so, how do we get, before we even get to that next part of understanding the urgency of our generations, how do you feel that that person starts with themselves and how they look at themselves to make that difference? I think that starts with understanding our connection to ourselves, to one another, and to the earth. And understanding that every decision that we make and every action that we take is going to influence and impact the direction that the world goes and that our lives go. Understanding that we, we shape the way that our lives run and after we don't, um, like we can't control our struggles or our suffering, but we control how we react to it. 
And the same thing mm. in the world that we can't control necessarily exactly what happens in the world, but we can control how we respond to the crisis that's happening outside of us. And reestablishing a sense of connection, a sense of I am a human being on this planet. We are all human beings sharing one earth, and we, therefore, have a responsibility to protect land that belongs to not one person, but we belong to the land, and all of us are connected because of that. And once we begin to understand our connection to one another, to ourselves, and to the earth, I feel like there will be more empathy for those other people that are suffering on other parts of the world because of inaction in this country. That's now, I, I have a question for you, Shatesca. Are you sure that you're only 16? Positive, 100% birth certificate says so with my driver's permit. Okay, I, I just want to make sure. We just wanted to make sure you weren't like 40 or 30. I just want the audience to know that. I just wanted to make sure. Well, I'm going to warn you. I'm going to warn you. There's so many more young people every single day you're going to start meeting that more and more often there will be young people with ideals, ideas, and minds that think very similar to mine. So watch out. Okay. Well, you know, Savannah, we would like to, love to hear your thoughts in conjunction with, um, you know, Shatesca. Well, I just want to add, um, Shatesca already did such a wonderful job of explaining our collective responsibility and accountability and the sense of urgency we really have. And to always make that twist towards the positive side of things, Rather than simply accountability towards the urgency of this problem, think of it as stewardship and have pride in that. Have pride in the collective responsibility that we have because, in essence, sustainability touches on every single decision we make, just as Shatesco has already explained. And, and think of it as when you're making that decision or when you decide not to make that decision in order to be that that we all wish to be, know that you're making a decision not just for yourself, but for the future generations, for the generations after that. And people need to realize and understand that just making that 1% change now will become that 100% in the future. We have to remain optimistic because if we don't, nothing will happen. And the worst thing you can do is think that somebody else will do it for you. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to bring a question back to you, Savannah, as I did with um, Shatesca. What, how do we, you know, especially for millennials, millennials who are on the move right now, how do we, okay, as, as an individual, not the collective, not even worrying about the collective, how do you start with the change? How do you think enough of yourself to start with the change? Okay? Because knowing who you are is where the change starts. It doesn't start with the collective. It starts with you. So how? what are your thoughts on that? Well, within my blog, I always try and address this problem. I always try and address climactic science and then finish off with next steps and things that you can do because I think that when you see all these problems and you don't know how to, you know, attend to it, then you feel lost. And so I create digestible bits, and I make things, so if you're just mindful of when you're purchasing a home, how energy efficiency plays in. When you leave the home, having a sustainer's checklist, have I turned off my um, have I turned off my switches? Have I grabbed my reusable bags? Am I packing my lunch rather than buying a salad at the sub shop every single day and accumulating that plastic? By creating these little checklists, these little lists, while overarchingly having that mindfulness, that consciousness of yourself as a steward and fusing those together, it will create those daily patterns and habits, and those habits will become you know, repeated behaviors in the long term. 
got it. Thank you so much. And I know, Jay, we have one last question because we have our next guest. And these beautiful people have to go. Okay. I, I have to interject here just real quickly, Gail. I was wondering, is the responsibility for digital glut or industry making all these new gizmos, which take a lot of power and use a lot of power, is it, is it their responsibility also that they're making all these new iPhones and all this stuff, drawing more power from the power grid? Should that culture change, and should industry take responsibility for making these new items that take more power, that make people buy these new things, that uses unused, uses energy sources? So would you guys say that that's the responsible responsibility of industry also to make a change? I think, Shutesca here, I think that responsibility comes from industry, but at the same time, it's the, the the reason that those industries are in business is because people are buying their stuff. So I feel like more than anything, the power to change that comes with consumer, um, you know, with consumer demand. Um, but as well as 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 you know, if we're demanding a more sustainable product, then it's up to these corporations to to deliver that and to understand that the people that are buying iPhones want there to be sustainability involved in it or not at all. And so I feel like. It, it is there is a, a, a amount of responsibility upon um, upon uh, businesses and companies and corporations, but at the same time, I feel like do not let your thoughts about their responsibility um, shape shape the way that you you understand your own. And yeah, do not give away your power to other people and say, well, it's their it's their job or it's their responsibility. But yes, I do believe that corporations have a large, um, you know, role to play in all of this as well. And I'm and I'm very much in in conversation with many many people and connections that I have with different companies to try to move towards sustainability as well. And I think that's a huge important role. Yeah, I, I would. Please go ahead, Savannah. Um, I would add that with this iPhone that you're discussing, it increases transparency. So to build, we are a more informed consumer by default because we have these iPhones and we have technology to be able to let us know exactly where things are coming from. With this being said, within corporate social responsibility management regimes right now, supply chain management is overwhelming, especially in today's market. It's it's very hard to structure, but I agree that having an informed and empowered consumer and creating that demand, there are already so many companies in place that have triple bottom lines that are meeting societal goals and needs as their market, that those are the ones we need to support, and that trend will follow. Well, I, I want to thank you both for being on the show. I know time has run out, and we have Gordana Birnoff from Sweden on the other line. I want to thank you both, and I just want to leave both of you with something. Shatesk and Savannah, thank you for the work that you're doing. And Shatesk, thank you um, also for reminding us that consumer behavior, it went beyond that, and Savannah, it, it went beyond that, that we dictate our choices in life. And by dictating our choices in life, we get to create who we are in the world and the difference we make in the world. Thank you for reminding us of that, Shatesca. And that connects us right back with the earth. Savannah, thank you for reminding us the importance of collective being collective once we get to that point in our lives, that we collectively make a difference. And we hope that you both will be back. Thank you for doing... Um, the work that you do, um, Chitesca and Savannah, and have an amazing day. Thank you. 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 Thank
Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Take care. It's a pleasure. Bye. Bye, Bye, guys. (laughs) Well, Jay, you know, we've gone from now dealing with the, you know, the climate issue to bringing it to where we are going to with Gordana. I love this woman. I, I know that you didn't have the opportunity to meet her. She is one of the most amazing women I've met. She is an author coming out with a new book. She is an Oprah.com and Huffington Post writer. She is a writer in her own way. She's a thought leader. She's a forward thinker. Jay, I mean, she's just amazing. Um, and it's not the place and expectation. It's just who she is. So without further ado, we're going to bring on Gordon in one second. I want people to know that it's know your truth. It's who you are. Um, with knowing who you are, you can change the world. And this is something that Gordana has come up with. So without further ado, we're going to bring on Gordana. Gordana, how are you? Hi, Gail. I'm wonderful, actually, sitting here listening to these young souls or old souls in young bodies speak the way they do. I'm truly inspired, very, very inspiring. Well, you know, I, I, I love them as well. And having you on our show is, you know, you know, you know how much I love you, you know, so I'm not going to lie. It, it's, <laughs> no. just, it's, just, it's just there, you know, and that we have the opportunity, you know, uh, to get into this conversation. Jay, please meet Gordana. Gordana, please meet Jay. Hi, Jay. Hi, Gordana. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. So, you know, um, Jay and Gordana, you know, we were just talking about the importance of, um, the importance of, you know, what it means, you know, to be, to be who you are, okay? Mm. And, Mm. and this is a subject Gordana, you know very well. But before we go into all that, Gordana, can you share with our audience who you are and the work you do? Well, I like to call myself a wisdom keeper because I am a wisdom philanthropist on Twitter. I I share my thoughts about raising consciousness, knowing who we are, creating a better place. I put out every thought I have about that on my Twitter account, and people come to that Twitter account just in order to focus on their inner being, to reconnect to their soul, because that is my mission. I want people to reconnect to who they truly are, because I, I, I see change in the world only coming from within. And when you know who you are, you know where you're going and life becomes a much better place to be. This earth becomes a much better place to be. So that is what I do on Twitter. But I'm also, as you said, a writer, and I'm also one of Oprah Winfrey's soul teachers. It is a project she's going to launch next week, so I can't speak so much about it, but you will hear about it in the next week. Um, you mentioned that I was, uh, all, I'm publishing a book that is called Know the Truth and Why Knowing Who You Are Changes the World. So that's what I've been doing for the last two years of my life. And, and I think it sums up who I am and what I'm doing now. I'm also a mother. I have a son that is 18, going on 19 uh, now. So it's very important to me to make some kind of a change in this world so that it will be a better place when I leave it than when I entered it because I'm leaving this place to my son and I, I want him to thrive. I want him to be able to love and be who he was supposed to be 
and I think that the change I'm trying to create now is 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 about actually creating a better world for for the next generation. So it suits very good with what you're doing today with Shut the Cattle and Savannah. I, I found them truly inspiring. Thank you so much. You know, um, one of the things, you know, as you delve into this, this um, very important topic, it, it really is because I think people think that everything's on the outside, okay? Mm. What, mm. Is, what does it mean by knowing who you are changes the world? Can you, I mean, can you go into that more with us? What does it mean? Yeah. Well, to me, it, actually, it means that when you are fully aware of who you are, then every action you do becomes conscious. And every action that comes from consciousness, I mean, it, it can't be based in ignorance. So the more conscious you are with who you are, the more understanding, compassion, and love you will ra- radiate. Because, honestly speaking, that is what consciousness is. It is unconditional love of all that is. So the more conscious you are of who you truly are, and you are consciousness, we are all consciousness. It is energy. We're all energy. So the more you know that you are consciousness, the more conscious you become and the more you radiate unconditional love. You understand your world in a, in a totally different way than being unconscious. Your, act, your reactions become actions when you're conscious of who you are. So that is why it is so important to become conscious of who you truly are. It's, it's about raising consciousness, actually. So when each and every one of us becomes more conscious of who we are, we are automatically raising the consciousness on Earth. And I think that the younger generation has already started that. Because, I mean, when I look at my son, I had this uh, truly inspiring um, encounter with my son when he was eight years old. Because he was a little bit bullied in school, and he was crying when he came home. He said that there was a boy pushing him around the schoolyard, and I, in my ignorant state of mind, I went down on my knees, and I told my son, I will teach you how to push back. And I said to him, push me. And he just stood there, and with sadness in his eyes, he just looked at me. And I said, why are you not pushing me? And he says, well, if I push you, then I will hurt you. And I started to cry because that was a life lesson to me. I mean, how in the world can retaliation ever be an option? I mean, in what way could it solve the problem by adding more victims to it? That is what this eight-year-old told me. And I understood that he has a higher consciousness than I do. His consciousness is more expanded because he understands his reality. And after that, I, I mean, it changed me. It changed me because I understood that high consciousness is all about understanding that you cannot solve a problem by being, um, by fear or by force. You can only solve it by understanding and trying to raise other people's consciousness to that level. So that's why I'm doing this. And that is what consciousness, being conscious of who you are, is to me. Well, but, but Venus, how do people begin? How do people begin to change within? How do they? How do? How do we? How do we do this? 
I mean, we're always changing from within. You have to become aware of the changes from within. You have to become, to start questioning things. As, for instance, uh, Shitsukwatl said, um, you have to start thinking about, for instance, where does this food come from? Am I eating right things? Is this done in the right way? You have to start asking questions. We have to start asking questions about our own beliefs about this reality. Does it have to be this way? Can we do it another way? You have to start questioning things. And sometimes that is not comfortable to do. It's much more comfortable to stay in your comfort zone and just do things, but it's not beneficial to do that. So starting to ask questions about the reality is one way to actually start some kind of a change from within. But we're, as I said before, we're always changing. There's no stop to it. We're always changing. It's just to uh, point it into the right direction, start starting to become more aware of the things we're eating, watching, talking about. Wow. You know, as usual, yeah. Cordana, as as usual, you 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 get me to another. We have a set of questions <laughs> for you, and I love talking to you because you just take us there in another way. So we're just going to yeah. leave this open today, as usual, because it it, it you know <laughs> the the beautiful work that you do is it's not just a question and answer. So Jay, we'll just leave this mm. open and forget our questions for today. Mm. You know, <laughs> okay. one of the things I heard you say is, yeah. Your son's reality. You said that when mm. your son went to push back at you, okay, mm. he said, mm. I don't want to do that because I may hurt you, okay? Mm. And mm. in that moment, he had a higher reality, and you saw his, mm. what you were seeing, you tell me if I'm wrong, you were seeing, well, someone is, is picking on my child, I want to teach him to stand up for himself. But for him, he was standing up for himself. He had another. Yeah. He had another level that he realized. He understood his reality. So many mm. people are walking numb in their head. Okay, mm. it's but you know, mm. not knowing how to interact. Fearful. Okay. Mm. How does a person? Oh, this is. Oh wow, this is. Oh, how does a person stop looking for change on the outside? Begin on the inside to experience their own reality without staying in their heads? Mm. Uh, you start with the small things in your reality. Start with just just being aware of where you are at that moment. For instance, just just exploring the reality you're in. If you look at a flower, look at the flower. Don't just hold it and then throw it away. Look at it. Really, really go into this. It's almost like becoming super, super realistic in your reality. Go into the details of it and experience it. Because if you, if you want to heighten your reality, you have to understand where you are and what you're doing in this reality. And if you're only reacting to it, then you are not aware of where you are and what you're doing. And you are a victim in it. So you need to step back a bit and take back your power to interact with your reality by your own actions, not reactions. I mean, what, if every time that you, that, you, that you know who you are will give you so much power because the more inner power you gain, the less outer control you allow from within. 
The same goes where the more you know who you are, the less approval of others you will seek. And the more you know who and respect yourself, the less you fear rejection, setbacks, and failures because they don't matter when you know who you are. You are all that is your love, unconditional love. That is our essence. And the closer you get to that, the more you can enjoy this reality. So start by enjoying the reality on the outside and you will be more aligned to who you are. If you focus on love in your reality, you will always, always, always gravitate to your source. So that is one way to do it. Start focusing on the things you really love in this reality. I mean, sometimes when I wake up in the morning, I think, what is my intention for today? And then I'm not talking about my schedule, you know, dry cleaner and dentist and all that. I'm talking about the intention because if this one day is the only day that is going to be, I mean, tomorrow is not today. This is a unique day. So if I want to fill that day with something, how do I want it to look? I want to explore my feelings. What kind of feelings do I want to have in this day? And every time I do this, Every time it comes up, I want to receive and give love. I want to be aware of every single moment in this day. Everything that happens, I want to be aware of it because this day is not coming back. So if if I set that intention in the morning when I wake up, it becomes a filter through which I look all day. And it doesn't matter what kind of obstacles I meet. I'm still looking through that filter. What do I want? What is my intention for today? And I pick the raisins and the cookies the entire day. That is one way to start being more aware of where you are in your own reality. And and everything is not rainbow-colored and everything is not always beautiful, but if you have an intention that you really need to... receive and give love and be aware in every moment, then that filter will align you to your source always. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I, I, have, I, have, I have two more questions. <laughs> Go ahead, Chad. Um, and um, yeah, I have a question off topic too far, but uh, this is the question. I'm going to stick to it. The first question is, Gordana, going back to your son, how do you think mm-hmm. he understood his reality so clearly? I think, honestly speaking, that a lot of children born today are born with a with a a consciousness that is more expanded than ours. That is why you have to ask Shetzequatl that you had to ask Shetzequatl a couple of times how old he was because he's only 16, but you cannot hear it when he speaks because he is born with a higher consciousness. The same goes with my son. It is very similar to that. So, I mean, I think that our children are born with a higher consciousness. That is what evolving consciousness means, actually. So, so what, what do we do about what, what do we do about people who don't have this gift of this higher consciousness and they're connected to the grid, but they only see their reality, but they can't see this beautiful love global reality that you're seeing? How do we how do we move those people so they can see the light or see the real reality of what you're talking about? Well, you know something the 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 paradox in this is that everyone walks their own path. So you can't force people into it and you cannot 
you cannot make someone else see this. They have to do it by themselves. Someone might need a car accident. Someone might need to become very ill. Someone will have an epiphany moment watching the sunrise. Or Every single one of us needs to do it from within. But when we do it from within, our entire world changes because then we attract beings of the same frequency as we are and it perpetuates itself. So you, you can't push anyone into it, but you can only show them what you have. And if they accept it, then that's fine. If they don't, you move on and, and you attract beings of the same frequency as you are. So you, cannot, you, you cannot change anyone. You can only show them what you have and they can be changed if they allow it. But it's, it, it's not up to you to do that. It's always up to the receiver to do that. Wow. Uh, you, know, this, you know, it's so funny you said this because this goes to my next – I have two next questions. My, t- my next question <laughs> for you. That's good. Gordana, you know, it, it's, you know, you talked about this, and this is really interesting because you can think that you are on one frequency, Gordana and Jay. You can think that you are positive and moving forward, okay? You know, mm. um, and I, I'm going to use myself. I'm just going to be open here. You know, there are mornings mm. I get up, and just like you said, Gordon, I set the intention, okay? Mm. Ready to move forward. But the energy that I'm met with in my interactions with my colleagues or business relationships, mm. you find it's not on the same frequency. It's like it may be, mm-hmm. it may be higher, which is great because it makes you go higher. But then there are other times mm. when you think you're on the frequency of I'm ready to move forward, I'm positive, I know what I want to choose for my day, I'm creating that now, and you're, you're met with blockages, you know, block to this, mm. a block to that, a block to this. And you know what you're doing is not about just – it's not about your agenda, but you're welcoming mm. people in and you are being that welcome, and you don't understand why you're met with this block. Mm. And, I mean, it, we all have our off days. But I want to mm. ask you, when you are moving yourself up, your reality is one way, and you think that the people you're interacting with is mm. on the same level, okay? Um, and I'll give mm. you an example. We were dealing with an amazing group of people, and they loved us, and we loved them, and then suddenly it was, no, I don't want to do that. Not that they didn't want to do it with us, but they, they just didn't want to go in that direction. But they are going in that direction. And they didn't understand themselves. Mm. They wanted to work with us. They didn't know how. So, what do you do when you find yourself going, you know, going through that? Like you know, you're, you're, you've got the right people, or you're connected within mm. yourself in the right way, but yet something else is mm. coming out. And you don't know. How do you get to deal with that frequency or understand that reality that is that you're projecting that you may not even realize it? Mm. Well, it, uh, there is. You you have to be able to change your frequency on demand. And that takes courage and that takes action and that takes, it takes energy to do that, but you have to be able to do that. I don't know if you, if you understand what I'm saying when I say that you have to be able to change your frequency on demand, which means that when somebody tries to lower your frequency by giving you obstacles, you are the one in charge of your own frequency. So you have to change your frequency on demand. I can give you an example. Sometimes when I, when I, I mean, we all argue with our husbands. <laughs> and sometimes when I have an <laughs> argument with my husband, I feel that I would, I feel that his energy is not the same as my energy. 
he feels that my energy is not the same as his energy, and we can, I mean, it can, all, it can be a clash there. And I start thinking about all the flaws that I can see in him, and I know that he's doing the same thing with me at that moment. <laughs> that is the point. That, that is the point where I have to stop myself, and I have to change my frequency on demand, which means that I can either go into this and we have a quarrel and it ends up with nothing good, or I can think of something that will actually make me see the good parts in him. So sometimes I've been doing this. I think that if I walk out this door now and a car hits me and I die, is this the last thing I want to happen between us? And that puts me in the right frequency immediately because I know that it's not because I love my husband more than anything else on this world and he loves me. So I get back into the right frequency and I see the best in him. And I do it on demand. I actually make myself think that way in order to be in the right frequency. And we always, always solve our problems because you cannot solve a problem if you're not in a high frequency, a higher frequency than the problem itself. So when a problem comes up, you have to be the one raising the frequency. And you know something? If they do not want to go with the high frequency you have, then they are not supposed to be there. So you have to trust that there is a good thing in this and just go on, keep your frequency high and do your thing and the right people will be there. Even wow. if it's heartbreaking, uh, even, if, I didn't hear. even if it's a, a, a relative or if it, it's heartbreaking for you to go on, yes. you must do, you must move. Okay. No, uh, I mean, you you shouldn't break someone's heart. You're not doing it because well, you, you don't like them. But even if it's a relative, no. I've done that, yes. Yes, yeah, break your heart because you're trying to, you're trying to show them the next frequency, and they're not receptive to. <laughs> no, that. but you know something. Doing having this frequency is not about showing someone else anything. It's about your reality and the way you want it to be. So if you if you feel that someone is holding you down all the time, you can in a loving way tell them that this is not how I want it, or and they will have a choice then. Either they raise their frequency and come along with you or they stay where they are, but you have to go on. I mean, you, what are you supposed to do? You can't go against your own passions and your own desires and your own dreams because that is what you're here to explore. So you, you, have, to do, you, have, to, you have to do your thing here anyway. <laughs> okay. Well, I, 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 I have a I have a question on that. You know, something you just said, Taco. We're looking at our frequencies, right? Our desires, mm. what it is that we are looking to create within ourselves. Okay, Gordana, mm. when do you know if that frequency is coming from a place of? Well, you may not Good know. Question. It's coming from a place of lack, and mm. that you're ta- and when you're coming from a place of lack. That frequency begins, mm. you can become selfish, you can become all these things. Mm. And, you know, because mm. as well as we're saying this in a positive way, we can use this to say, well, you're wrong and I'm right and I'm on the right frequency. Mm. And within myself, I mm. know we can talk ourselves from ego. How do mm. we know mm. the difference between those two? Great question. You know something? 
Yes, and it's a very, very, very simple answer. If it feels good, it's aligned with your soul. If it doesn't feel good, it's not aligned with your soul. If it feels good, it's the right frequency for you. If it doesn't feel good, it's the wrong frequency for you. It's very, very simple. All you have to do is understand, is it my ego speaking or is it me? Mm. Because every time you need to argue, then it's your ego speaking. Every time you need to go into an argument, your ego is speaking, and you're speaking from a scarcity, lack mindset. It, arguing will never get you anywhere. Hmm. Hmm. You know, it was said, um, someone said this the other day on, uh, it was one of the soul teachers that you're talking about. They said, if you, it was Deepak Chopra during one of the uh, meditations with Oprah that I was doing. And one of the things he mm. said is, you know when you're in ego because you're making the other person or situation wrong. Mm. And that, that, that was really powerful because what he was saying is it's not about right or wrong. Like you said, it's your journey, mm. okay? And if you've got to make them wrong to be on your journey, then you need to mm. look at that, you know? So but, my – go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just wanted to say, because when, you, when we talk about right and wrong, then you're in a judging position, and that's also scarcity. What you need to talk is, do, do I want this in my reality, or do I not want this in my reality? You don't have to label it why you don't want it in your reality. If, if you feel that there is something wrong with it, then you don't want it in your reality. But you don't have to label it. You don't have to argue with it. You don't have to deal with it. All you have to do is focus on what you do want in your reality and have trust that it will work out fine if you just follow your excitement and joy in everything without without stressing out what other people say or think, because you, you will not hurt anyone by keeping your frequency high. Mm. It was so powerful what you said about asking yourself, is this, the, is this uh, me or is this my ego? Um, I have one last question for you, and I think Jay has one last question for you. And one, my last question is, this is, this is going to be for a lot of people. We talked about scarcity mindset, um, and, and, you know, changing frequency on demand, Gordana. A lot of people mm-hmm. have written, uh, Jay and I, and said that they're doing well in life, okay? But somehow mm. their business is doing well, but they're not generating income. Like there's a money blockage. They meet the right people, whatever, but they're mm. not expanding from a monetary point of view. They're expanding with others. They're helping others. Even their business is mm. expanding, but it's, they're not able to generate the income to contribute, contribute to themselves, their family, or whatever. Can you speak a little mm-hmm. bit about that? Well, I think that, that that is the root to that is an issue of self-worth. Because this reality-generating mechanism I'm talking about, it's working 24-7. And you can be a master on one area and be a total disaster on another area. For instance, you can be a master in relationships and have no clue of how you could have abundance, I mean, financial abundance in your life. You're creating abundance in love, but you cannot create abundance in in finances, for instance. But it's the same thing. It is the same mechanism doing this. So there must be something else that is affecting it it is not that you're not that you don't know how to create it it's just that you're fueling this mechanism with the wrong fuel 
And very often that fuel is some kind of lack in self-worth that you feel, that you somewhere subconsciously feel that you are not worth the money others will pay to hear you speak or work for them or whatever it might be. So it's always rooted in self-worth. That's the fuel you're fueling this mechanism that is generating your reality and the frequency that you're sending out. It is all about self-worth. Wow. Okay, Jay, you're going to kill me, I know, and Gordana, you might too. Uh, (laughs) Gordana, if you're dealing with self-worth, okay, Hmm. how do you know when you have connected with your self-worth as you deal with your frequency and your own reality? Just like you said, you can be great, a master in one area and a disaster in another. How do you know when you have connected with that self-worth part of you that will begin to create that abundance in that area that you are a disaster in? Well, first of all, it feels good when you're there. So you will you will know it in your body. You can feel it. You can you feel at ease when you when you ask people to pay you for what you do. You don't feel the stress within you. You can feel you feel the ease within you. So th- then you will know that you have actually been uh, that you are that, that you're receiving what you what you wanted to receive. So it it feels good when you do that. That's the way. That's the way to uh, to recognize it. But what you have to do on the way is to sometimes ignore negative uh, interference from the outside. You have to ignore them and just keep on going until you feel that 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 feeling that it is okay to to charge what you want to charge for what you're doing. And you have to keep the negative interference from the outside. You know, the one that says, I'm not worth this, they will not pay this, who will pay this amount of money to me, those kind of things. You have to keep them at bay and just stay in the right frequency, which is start daydreaming about how it feels to have a lot of money on your account and stay in that frequency. Mm. Okay. Jay, I'm sorry. I know I took a lot of questions. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. So, so I just want to ask, uh, add this. So this frequency, is it like kind of like manifestation where you can you can make your reality if you stay positive? Is this what this is? Or is this something that everybody has a gift and everybody has their own frequency and then uh, it's by chance? Uh, can everybody have, can everybody in the world be have a uh, happy ever after? In other words, by doing this technique, can everybody be number one and see their realities come through fruition or come to reality? Uh, if you think well, about, you, uh, you know, go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, it's all about what you're doing with your reality. It's not about what everybody else is doing with their reality. And when you ask me about frequency, what I'm talking about when I say frequency is that everything in this universe is energy. So what you are doing is actually you're decoding this energy. And what differentiates me from you is only this frequency because our essence is energy. So my frequency is specific for me. It contains all the information about who I am and what I'm doing here and all the things that I plan for the future and all the things that I've done. 
That is my frequency. And you are decoding it as Gordana Bjarna sitting in Sweden talking to you. You have your specific frequency. And the beauty of this is that we can change our frequency because we are born with a free will and an imagination as a tool so that we can use it to, to tune in this frequency to get what we want in this physical reality. So that is what I'm talking about, frequency. of Everybody is frequency. Everything is frequency. All the material world is only frequency. Energy in motion, that is what it is. So decoding this frequency is all what it is about and being able to play with it in this reality. So a higher frequency, for instance, is always joy and love, whilst a lower frequency is fear and hate because it's, I mean, fear and hate retract whilst love and joy expands. And you can feel it. When you feel love and joy, you expand in your body. And when you feel hate, you retract in. This is what the energy is doing to you. So that, this is the kind of frequencies and energies I'm talking about. And everybody can have their specific energy and everybody can heighten their energy. It all depends on what they're dreaming about in their life. But you have to become conscious of that you are energy and that this is what you're doing here. And most of us are not conscious about that. We think that creation is only what we want to create, the things that we plan to create. Well, creation is something, when you worry, you are creating too, only you're creating unconsciously because you're creating a reality you don't want to. Am I making sense to you when I'm talking like this? Yes. Oh God, yeah. You're making perfect oh God, yeah. you have no idea. As always, Gordana, you have no idea. <laughs> Gordana, you know, I know, you know, we've gone over time, and I apologize, but I do have this one last question for you. You know, um, I was talking to someone the other day, and 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 I really stand firm on it. It's something Savannah spoke about when she first came on. Her and I have talked. She knows that I believe in intergenerational communication. Of course, mm. if, you know, if you're if you're a grown woman or man, you may not hang with a fourteen you know, a group of fourteen year olds or you mm. may but you can't do it every day because they have their own world mm. too. But I think when mm. we focus strictly on, well, those are young people and these are millennials and this there was a time when everyone just came together. Even up until three years ago you had a job, you worked together, okay? It didn't matter if you were young and old. It, you know, and in some mm. cases it did, but for the majority, everyone worked together, all right? Mm. Now we differentiate, well, the youth are the future. So I wrote an article recently that said we are not, the youth are not the future. They are not at all. Mm. That, and, and mm. We are all the future. Mm. Working together and starting with ourselves individually, which is why I love your new, oh, I know we can't talk about it, but I, I love the new things <laughs> that you're about to do and chose this mm. topic that was your topic. Because I think it mm. starts with us individually, okay? Mm. And then we come together. You can learn something from a five-year-old. And the reason why I kept oh, practicing yes. Chitesca is because mm. I know that he's 16, but I also know that he's far beyond his years. And mm. I myself was far beyond my years and still am in some ways. And I, you helped me in something just now where you said be mm. yours, you know, like, I fully been wondering how do I let out that I'm well beyond and you know what I know. You know what I mean? Because mm. I've had to accept mm. that I'm a teacher, and mm. that is not always easy. Because sometimes you want things too to come with you, and mm. I have it that if I'm a teacher, well, I can't have both. Mm. So bringing it back to the intergeneration, 
Mm-hmm. I had it that I just give, but I wouldn't be receiving because I'm a teacher. Teachers don't receive, they mm-hmm. just give. But you have to actually <laughs> replenish yourself and receive mm-hmm. 100 times more within yourself so that you can have that ability to teach is what mm-hmm. I'm learning. And how mm-hmm. do we get all generations to realize that we all are important to ourselves and each other rather than the youth of the future? Because now what's happening is youth are becoming self-entitled and, you know, mm. um, Savannah and I mm. talked about this, and not taking responsibility for themselves. Like, I'll just do mm. this and it's okay because I'm young, and they say we're the future. Mm. We're not even allowing youth mm. to have their own journey like you're allowing your son and you mm. had. We all have our own journey. Mm. How do we each individually take that back to ourselves and come together intergenerationally? We didn't have to say the word intergenerationally. We didn't have to say that before. Mm. How do we empower all of us? And that's it. I'm sorry, and that's a long question. Yeah, no, no, I get it. I think that the first thing to do is to stop using the word intergeneration. I mean, generation, to to stop putting ourselves in boxes defined by our age. Because that is, it's all about, it's all about, Time here, and actually, time is an illusion. Time is not real. So why are we, why are we defining ourselves with how old we are? Because it doesn't say anything about us. I mean, my son was so much smarter than the most people of my age when he was five, and it does. It, it, it's totally uh, in my world. There is no such thing as age. I can feel connected to a person that is 16, 18, 80. It doesn't matter to me because what I'm connecting to is their soul. And your soul it has no gender and it has no age and it has no skin color and it has no hair color and it, it's not based anywhere geographically. It has no religion. It is what it is. And that is what you're connecting when you're having a conscious conversation with people. So to start with, we should stop talking about our age and start talking about who we are. Yes, but Gordano, if I do agree with you. But here's the thing. You have to, wouldn't you agree, and Jay, wouldn't you agree that if you're 16 years old and Gordana's 35, okay, there's some life experiences that we have between 16 and 35 that a 16-year-old couldn't even understand or comprehend. Would, do you disagree mm. with that? No, I wouldn't. But on the other uh, other hand, they have some kind of life experience. They are living in the now, and they have this now moment that they can share with you. So I feel that it it doesn't put me in a higher uh, wisdom place just because I I have lived a few years more than the other person. It doesn't. But of course, I mean, when you have a conscious conversation and when you connect on a soul level, then you are capable of listening to the wisdom coming from the person. It doesn't matter what age they are then. It's the same thing when you listen to, for instance, the 16-year-old Shetzekwapu. When he, when he talks, you don't think that he's 16, and you feel that he has some kind of a wisdom going on there, which, I mean... It doesn't matter. Some people can live 100 years and they do not have that wisdom. So I, I feel that the time is the issue here. I mean, talking about time as something concrete. To say the youth of the future. I mean, we're all in the now. Right. There is no future and there is no past. There is only now. Future is something oh. that we are 
dreaming about or anticipating and, and, and the past is only something we remember so and we're doing it now so why are we defining ourselves with the age thing I think it's a it's a big issue here and it's going to be much bigger issue as time <laughs> goes on because we are going to realize that time is not it, it is not a constant it is something else, and we have to explore that. But it, it will take 50 years on, uh, until we start exploring it in the real way as it should be explored. Because Got it. Honestly, it, 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 the, yes, that's, that's all I have to say about that at the moment. <laughs> well, thank you for your time. And we just, you know, as always, Gordana, we love having you on. We intend to support whatever you're doing. And just thank you for your time. Is there anything you want to let our audience know of where they can reach you or anything that you have coming up? Well, the best way to reach me is to look at my Twitter account. It's at MyPowerTalk on Twitter, or you can go to my site, which is MyPowerTalk.com, and read my blog. And soon my book is out, Know the Truth, so you can read about me there too. Oh, is it out now, uh, Gordana? No, no. No, not yet. I'm, I'm, it's at a publisher at the moment, and we're discussing it, so I don't know yet what date it's going to be, but, but it's, 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 it's in the making. <laughs> well, thank you so much, and as usual, we thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. All right, everyone. Well, that is the end of our show, and you've heard Gordana, Shiteska, and Savannah Miller. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Bye-bye. And we're going to go out with Treasure by Patent Leather. Thank you.